speak to us clearly. You have a message from your word that you have called us to hear. A message that is very timely and very critical to our well-being. Speak to us now in Jesus' name. And I thank you, Majesty. Holy Spirit, we have ears to hear. We have eyes to see and we have a heart to receive. We look forward to you ministering to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Earlier, Pastor Dave read to us from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14, about the valley of dry bones. Now, that may seem like a really odd scripture to you, and it may even seem mystical or maybe even a little sci-fi. I mean, a valley of dry bones and the dry bones coming together. When I was a kid, it was common to hear an old, old song about... the Thigh bones connected to the hip bone. And, you know, anybody remember that old song? Okay. All of us old codgers remember it. Nobody else does. But, uh, excuse me, I think I just called all of you old codgers. Uh, forgive me for that. Okay, everybody together, we forgive you, Pastor D. <laughs> but, it, the, the story isn't sci-fi. It, it, is a, it is God illustrating the rebirth of Israel. Only one time in all of human history has a nation been reborn that went out of existence. In 70 AD, when Titus and the Roman army completely sacked the city of Jerusalem, leveled it, not a stone was left standing. And then, 60 years later, when Emperor Hadrian came in, renamed the area Palestinia, and renamed Jerusalem Jupiter Capitolina, Israel had completely ceased to exist. And for 2,000 years, it didn't exist. Until May 14, 1948, when in a single day, it was reborn through the Declaration of the United Nations. A miracle happened that was prophesied by Ezekiel, and earlier than that, prophesied by Isaiah in chapter 65 when he said, can a nation be born in a day? And the answer is yes. Only one though, and that was Israel. But this chapter also illustrates another point for us. Probably every one of us in this room can think of someone that we have known, whether a co-worker, a relative, or a friend on our neighborhood whose life literally became a life of death and they were just barely existing whether through alcoholism or narcotics or through emotional destruction through mental breakdown emotional breakdown their life just 
ceased existing. And it was like just skin and bone, barely existing. They may not have literally been skin and bone, or they may have been through the malnutrition of those kind of addictions. But we've just we've watched their life just like they they just stopped living. And Almighty God gives us a promise. When your life is dead and you feel like I might as well be buried. There's no hope. There's no future. Maybe there's been cutting or maybe there's even been attempted suicide. But it's like life has stopped really having meaning. I might just as well be dead. Almighty God says to you and I, these bones can live again. Yeah, they can. Yeah, they can. Now, how did these bones come back to life? Because the Spirit of God entered into them. How did these bones that were just a valley of dry bones suddenly become a mighty army again? It was because the Holy Spirit came into them and the Holy Spirit not only gave them life, Holy Spirit gave them power. They became a mighty army. And I'm saying to you, there are dozens in this room sitting around you right now. Our lives was like this valley of dry bones. And it was hopeless. It was hopeless. You, you've heard me say it before. I had a teacher stand me up in the seventh grade in front of the class and say, don't be like him. He'll be in prison by the time he's 21. There was good reason she was said. She shouldn't have said it, but there was good reason she said that. My life was headed to death. But Almighty God came into my life in high school and transformed my life. And He brought life and power into my life that I could change the direction of my life. And He can do the same for you. He has done the same for dozens in this room and many more that aren't with us this morning that are part of this church family. God has caused our dry bones to live again. Mel Terry, an evangelist from Indonesia, wrote a book some years ago. It was a fabulous book entitled, Like a Mighty Wind. And I'd like to read an excerpt from that. I don't often read to you, but I'd like to read. Because it's better in his words than it would be me just retelling it to you. Quote, Four nights before the nearly successful communist coup in Indonesia in 1965, God sovereignly began pouring out His Spirit in our small town on the little-known island of Timor. He alerted the Christians to pray, and the country was remarkably spared. Immediately, evangelistic teams of laymen were formed and began traveling throughout Timor and surrounding islands proclaiming the gospel, healing the sick and raising the dead. The miracles that followed the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit first came like a mighty wind, have been reenacted in our own day. 
God has sent a messenger from the heartland of that revival to the West with a thrilling report of his marvelous acts. Now, Evangelist Mel Terry lived in that community in Timor. He was 18 years old when that revival began. Listen as, as he continues the story. I belong to the Presbyterian Church. We had everything in order. When we went to church, everything was written down on paper. The pastor read one part. We read the other part. We knew when to stand, when to sit, when to pray, when to sing. I really thanked God for and appreciated that order in my church. We also had love. Or I should say we had a little bit of love. But in my church, we had no power at all. I remember well that night of September 26, 1965. About 200 people of all ages were gathered in our church praying together. That night, as we were praying together, suddenly the Holy Spirit came just as He did on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, we read that He came from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And that night, as I was sitting next to my sister, I heard this mighty rushing sound. It sounded like a small tornado in the church. I looked around and saw nothing. I turned to my sister. She replied, Do you hear a strong noise? I asked. Yes, she replied, I do. But forget about the sound and let's pray. She began to pray. And at the same time, I heard many others begin to pray. Now you must know that in our church we always prayed in absolute order, one by one. For one person to pray in our church was enough, since everything was written in front of us. If many were to pray... We had to write a whole bunch of prayers. But that night, those Presbyterians started to forget the written order and the prayers in front of them and began to pray in the Spirit. At first, one by one. And before I knew it, they all began to pray at the same time. Oh, my dear Jesus, what's going on in this church? They have forgotten the written order, I said. As everyone was praying, I looked at the pastor's. My, what an anxious look they had on their faces. They were sitting in the front of the church on the platform, and they didn't know how to handle those 200 people. They too heard the mighty rushing wind. I looked around again, and still there was nothing moving. It was only a sound. Then I heard the fire bell ringing loud and fast. Across the street from the church was the police station and the fire bell. The man in the police station saw that our church was on fire, so he rang the bell to tell people of the village to come quick. There was a fire. In Indonesia, especially in Timor, we didn't have fire trucks. We just rang the bell and people realized that there was a fire and they came from all over the village with their buckets of water and other things to help put out the fire. When they got to the church, they saw the flames. But the church wasn't burning. Instead of a natural fire, it was the fire of God. Because of this, many people received Jesus Christ as their Savior and also the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Of course, being Presbyterians, we were not familiar then with the words baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit. This was something new to us. But the Lord opened our eyes and told us that these were the things we must experience in our lives that we could not depend on on the Pentecost 
of years ago. We could not depend on the Pentecost of years ago. Wow. That sounds just like what Jesus taught his disciples, doesn't it? Matthew chapter 3, it records John the Baptist prophesied, There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to tie and untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus came to John and he was baptized in water. But we also know he was baptized in the Holy Spirit because the Spirit came on him in the form of a dove. And John bore witness. He said, I saw the Spirit descend on him. Before Jesus began his public ministry... He was not only baptized in water, he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then, three years later, with his disciples, he pulled them together and he said, I've given to you the great commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. But wait. Wait until you're clothed with power from on high. For you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. In Acts chapter 8, or chapter 1 rather, and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. Jesus was saying to his disciples, just as I was baptized in the Holy Spirit to empower me to do the work of ministry, I'm saying to you, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you can do the work of ministry. And over the next ten days, they waited in Jerusalem. They were continually in the temple, worshiping and praising God. And then... Acts chapter 2 verse 1 records, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one place in one accord. That's not talking about an automobile. That's talking about they were all in unity, in harmony, in agreement together. All 120 of them were gathered together in this one place in agreement together, worshiping and praising God. And there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And tongues of fire sat upon them. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. They were all baptized by the Holy Spirit at that time. And they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. It didn't stop there. There are many who want to say, well, that was just for the apostles. But I want to remind you that if you go over, it happened again in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. It happened again in Acts chapter 9 with the Apostle Paul. It happened again in Acts chapter 10 when for the first time in the history of mankind, it was going to go to the Gentiles. It had only been, the church had only been a Jewish church up to that time. But now God was going to break out and he was going to become not only a Jewish church, but he was going to become a church for all people of all nations. 
And so in Acts chapter 10, God called the Apostle Peter to go to the home of a Roman soldier named Cornelius. And Cornelius had filled his home with Gentiles to hear the gospel. And when Peter got there, and as Peter began to preach, the Holy Spirit fell on them as he did on the day of Pentecost. They were baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And God now was birthing the church among the Gentiles. Wow, what's going on? God never intended His church to be a church that looked back at Pentecost. God never intended His church to be just a dead, dry, religious order. That was never God's intent. Look at what Jesus said in John. Go ahead and go back for me, one, one slide for me, would you please? I, I'm the one that got you out of order, Maddie. You didn't make the mistake, okay? In John chapter 14, Jesus said these words. In the old King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. Okay, let's do it in modern English. Truly, truly, I say unto you. Jesus is using a Hebrew idiom. When you repeat a word, you're not stuttering. You're giving it exponential emphasis. So in Isaiah chapter 6, when the angels are crying, holy, holy, holy. They are saying God is holy to the third power. And when Jesus says, truly, truly, I say unto you, he is saying, I'm saying the truth to you to the second power. Or like we would say it, I'm telling you the truth. It's absolutely the truth. Okay, what's he telling us? He that believes on me The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Do you realize what he's saying? Everyone in this room, I'm sure in some measure, to some degree, you believe in Jesus. Some of us at varying degrees. Some of you, you've been walking with Jesus a long time, and your faith is solid and secure, and nobody can shake you from your faith. Others of you, you're still searching. And you go, yeah, I kind of believe in Jesus. But you still got some questions. You're still searching and looking. I'm really glad you're here. This is a great place to get the answers. If you want a little more personal answers or go a little deeper, call me. I love to get coffee at Java Junkies or Starbucks. And you go, are you advertising them? I love to advertise Java Junkies. They're members here. <laughs> Look at what he's saying. You who believe in me, the works that I do, you'll do also. He wasn't saying you got to be some sort of superstar or somebody with a big name or you got to have 55 degrees after your name and then you'll be able to do the works that I do. That's not what he's saying. 
In fact, and this may sound weird from somebody who's got two master's degrees and a Ph.D., but I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes all those letters after your name makes faith even more difficult and challenging. I'm telling you, Jesus meant it when he said to you and I, I want you to do the same works I do. So what's that mean? It means that God never intended his church to be anything but a church that was on fire. Now you can go to the next slide for me, dear. Thank you so much for going back. We, so powerful, are to be a church operating in Pentecostal power. That's what God meant. Not just somebody who doctrinally says, yes, we believe in, in Acts chapter 2 and the day of Pentecost. Yes, we believe. No, not even, not even saying, oh yeah, you know, we came out of that movement, you know, well, you know, we were baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1896 and we came out of the Pentecostal movement at the turn of the 21st century. Folks, anybody besides, that's 133 years ago when this church was born, this movement was born. Do we still have that power today? Or are we 133 years of dead, dry bones? We better not be. We can't afford to be dead, dry bones. Folks, we, if there's ever been a time and a generation that needed a church that, that had the Pentecostal power and fullness of Almighty God, it is right this very moment. The, the level of rancor, the level of bitterness and anger and hatred. It, does, does it disturb you as it does me that we, we've, we've literally come to a time and season when it's not tolerance. It's no longer tolerance. They don't want tolerance. You either agree with me or you're my enemy and I have to take you out. Really? Really? We, we, we can't agree to disagree? Really? It is you agree with me or, 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 or you're some evil person? Really? But that's the level of hatred and, 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 and the, the bigotry and the anger. And the violence that we're seeing, the violence that's in our streets, the violence. Folks, listen, there's only one answer. There is only one thing that's going to turn this around. Only one answer. And that is when the church rises up in the power of the Holy Spirit and we are like Jesus walking in the streets of our cities in the power and authority of the Holy Spirit. I'm reminded back to the 1960s when a skinny preacher that pastored in a rural community in Pennsylvania, and he was street dumb. I mean, he was as ignorant as you could be about city and about streets in the inner city. And yet that skinny preacher went into the streets of New York City. Literally, war had been declared on the police department of New York City by the Mau Mau gang. And they were killing police officers daily. It was war. That kind of sounds familiar, doesn't it? How many of you heard the broadcast this week where a member of Antifa said, 
We hate the police. We're going to kill them. We hate America. We want to destroy America. Folks, make no mistake about it. And what's going to change that? The same thing that changed and, and turned New York City upside down. When that skinny preacher went into the streets of New York, even though he was street ignorant, went into the streets of New York City in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ and began loving those gang members into the kingdom of Almighty God and began winning the Mau Mau's to Jesus and that turned that city upside down. And I'm telling you, it's the same thing. That is what we need right now. But it's got to be a church that is empowered with the Holy Spirit. It's not just being religious. And it's not just saying with your mind, oh yeah, I believe the Bible. Do you believe the Bible enough to believe that God still does miracles? Do you believe it enough that you will begin calling out miracles? Do you believe it enough that you will look at someone and say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, get your miracle now. Do you have that kind of authority and power in your life? If not, Holy Spirit will give it to you.